Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So today we're here with a good friend of mine, partner at the executive law group, social media legend, and even became famous once on a Netflix documentary series. Jahan, thanks for coming on. Sam, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, I was I was looking forward to getting you on because you've even helped me out in the past with some contract stuff. <laughs> um, look, it's it's a it's a fascinating one. This world of social media. I think we connected while you were you were blowing up at the Olympics, um, and yeah, I've 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 represented you on a couple of bits and bobs. So it's really nice to actually get a chance to chat as mates, not as you know. Um, not as your lawyer get, get, getting the job done and a few comments here and there on Instagram when I maybe. I love your comments man <laughs> I, you make me feel young and relevant like I'm 36 it's a it's a, and that's the cool thing about social media you get these interesting friendships and dynamics where you've got like an Olympic diver and a suburban lawyer and they're friends like it's weird it's been such an incredible thing for me for building relationships and finding good mates because you have a similar interest which is kind of what all relationships are based off absolutely there's this I guess I would call it like a like a V where you get your subject matter expertise. For you, it's diving and, you know, um, all of that stuff around that sports Olympic mindset. And then you've got like social media. And there's this interesting phenomenon that happens when you find people who are obsessed. Mm. Like, I'm obsessed about the law. I just happen to find this thing called social media, which allows me to share my obsession more effectively. Because that was one of my first questions. When it comes to social media and law, what got you started on that trajectory to start sharing your posts? Because the way you do it, I find like a situational grab of what's happening and you just share it. You don't, from my perspective, overthink it and just have a crack. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. So my I'm, I'm, I came fairly new to social media. So um, during the pandemic, uh, we here in Australia, and I'm sure you've got fans all over the world, but here specifically in New South Wales, our government decided to react to the pandemic by, you know, locking down a lot of things and basically keeping us in our houses. And for me, I had a pretty, uh, I have a, but I had at the time a really large firm, about 12, 13 employees doing seven figure revenue. And overnight we went to zero. And that was super stressful um, because when you run a business, you've got people who depend on you. We have clients who depend on us. And for me, I make a lot of my money when courts are open. So with no courts being open, there's no revenue to be generated. And at the time, our government did, and I still think this, the worst job of communicating to people what was going on. So you, I don't know if you remember these. At 11 a.m., there'd be a press conference every day. The premier would come out and be like, hey, 300 people are dead. The hospitals are full. Don't go anywhere. Bye. And it was just awful. It was not helpful at all. And every other day they'd come out and they'd release a new law or a new regulation. They'd talk about LGAs of concern. They'd talk about intimacy bubbles. They'd talk about all of this stuff and they wouldn't explain it. 
And so I was sitting at home feeling absolutely powerless. I was stressed out of my mind. I thought what I'll do is I'll explain what these are. What is a public health order? How does the government have the power to keep us in our homes? And I went and I did a really detailed research article that I launched kind of on LinkedIn and a couple of other places, which I put a lot of time and effort into. And no one read, like 50 people read. No one cared. It was like all of this energy for nothing. And so at the time, TikTok was kind of going. And um, I had a, a couple of young staff members who had told me, you got to get on this TikTok thing. You know, you always bother. I'm the kind of guy that I'll stop my team members in like the hallway. I'll be like, hey, have you read this latest case? And they'll be like, we don't care, Jahan. No one's as obsessed with this as you are. Um, but I sort of, um, I, I kind of just described the, what a public health order was, what an LGA of concern was, what an intimacy bubble was. And overnight, I got like 500 new followers. Now, I'd been on Instagram. Did, for, did you post this on Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. Okay. Um, I, I'd been on Instagram for a very long time. And on Instagram, getting a new follower is like pulling a tooth. Like it's really, really hard, or at least it was at the time. So 500 was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I realized, well, maybe this is where I need to be focusing my attention. And... I just started breaking things down because people were scared and people didn't have any meaning. I mean, our government really should have been doing the job that I was doing. Um, they didn't have a face or, or anything they could sort of trust. And so I started doing it. And then things started happening like, um, you know, some of my other content got picked up and, and that kind of went a bit viral. There's a piece I did with um, when I was on television at Insight talking about, um, you, know, you know, undercover policing and... From there, it kind of spread. And then, you know, you start getting members of the press asking you questions. So for me, it's always simply been about where can I add value and where can I answer a question that's stressing people out? So my sweet spot is I try to answer questions that are just a little bit too hard to Google. Um, and I try to give people an explanation because the legal system all makes perfect sense if you understand how it works. The problem is, it's not explained very well and mm. it's not able to be intuitively understood. So it was during COVID that you started your social media career and really just kicked off from there. I never wanted to be a social media person. I, 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 I love my job. I still love my job. Um, I, I, no one is more surprised by my social media success than me. Like no one. It is so bizarre to me. You know, I can understand why you're popular. You're a good looking athlete, <laughs> right? I'm a pudgy suburban lawyer who's talking about like, no, can I drive both? I think it, but you've, a, a huge part of it comes to your personality. Like I think that's why we get along so well is when you're happy, good vibes and you're passionate about what you do. People just attract to it. I, I think feel that's like that right. plays a huge role. Absolutely. And I'm self-aware, you know, like I, I, I'm not trying to be anyone that I'm not. I'm not, in many ways, it's pretty interesting because I think that in the back of people's minds, when they think, oh, I wonder what a criminal defense lawyer is like, they think, oh, that guy seems like a criminal defense lawyer. Like he, <laughs> he talks really fast. He's got like kind of a, a weird energy about him. I wonder, you know, if I was in trouble, I'd want him in my corner. And that's kind of really helped me. But it's just about being authentic. Like, you know, one of the really interesting things is, you are literally as approachable in person as you are on your social media. Like I, sure. I say that absolutely. If somebody met you on the street, they would think, Jesus, he's just like his social media. And I think it's really hard for people who pretend to be something they're not mm. to blow up on social media. I also find, because people aren't stupid. So if you're putting up a front or not doing what you say you are, people will find out and they just don't respect it. And I feel like when you have a profession, being a lawyer, being an Olympic athlete, you can't lie about it because... It's being judged very publicly. When I go out to compete, 
There's no, there's no smoke and mirrors, you know. <laughs> if you haven't done the work, it's very apparent, and it's the same when you when you 100%, go to court. Hundred percent, and people can tell, you know, a successfully excludes, and it's also the volume thing. Like when you make thousands upon thousands of pieces of content, oh. if you are lying, it's gonna sneak out. Like if you're the kind of person who actually, you know, you, you, you're secretly really bitter or angry, there's gonna be something that pops out. Everyone has their bad days though. Like so, sometimes I have a bad day as well and I, I don't feel like I present my, my best, but I suppose you're always chipping away at that, right? Because no one's perfect all the time. Well, one of the things that always stresses me out is um, when somebody comes up to you on the street or somebody stops you, that's going to probably be their only interaction with you mm, ever. Yep. And if you're, an, if you're a jerk or you treat them badly, they're going to remember that forever and then you're going to be Jahan the jerk to them for life. <laughs> yeah. And everyone they know. 100%. 100%. You'll be at a cafe and you'll be like, God, man, I met that Sam guy. He was awful to me. And you don't want that. So it, it kind of does make you behave a little bit differently. But you're right. On the tough day, we are all human. Like there are days where just I just want to be left alone and I want to sit in my shell and you don't want to be smiley and happy and energetic. Um, and those days it can get quite tough. I want to jump back a bit. I want to jump back a bit. You mentioned that you had a bigger law firm yep. before COVID. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so uh, look, we, 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 were, we used to try to be everything to everyone. And so we had a lot of different departments that d- did sort of different things. You were a partner in this law firm as well? I was, yeah. But I was a partner with other partners. Yep. So we had a, we had a, a, like a property law division. We had a, a division that kind of specialized in various other bits and bobs. Um, and we actually, it's funny, we, we, some of the stuff we do now, like family law, we didn't do back then. Um, family law came about because COVID really, if you were unhappy in your marriage, COVID's not good for that. Did that blow up <laughs> after COVID? Really? It went nuts. And I look, I think it's probably, there's nothing more difficult than a family, you know, a, a family law case because you're dealing with people's family and that's the most important thing to them. It's, it, I would argue that family law is more stressful than, than criminal law by a country mile because criminal law, you've got, you've got kind of, perhaps naughty people behaving really, really well. And then family law, you've got actually really nice people behaving really badly. Mm. And that's kind of a, a very different energetic shift, which is, is, is kind of hard to think. But we did a lot of stuff. And then when COVID happened, it was, I liken it to this. It's like juggling. And then all of a sudden, all the balls drop on the ground and you have to decide which ones you actually want to pick up again. And so there was areas of the law that we didn't enjoy doing. We weren't good at Um we weren't getting, you know, we weren't the right person for the clients. And so some of those lawyers went off and started their own practices. Some of them left. Some of them we retrained and reskilled into other areas. But we now have a smaller team that I think does work that more aligns with our purpose. And I think that because of that, I can say now we're a stronger place than we were before COVID. Gotcha. Did you shut that company down and start a new one or you just kind of reformed to where you are today? Yeah. it's it's So essentially I went to a former business partner of mine um, and I said, hey, do you, you can have this. You can have this first, you know, you can have our baby because he, he, he's untragically passed now. He's a really good guy. Um, Sorry to hear. That, 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 thank you. Um, but I said, look, we built this together, but I think that it more aligns with who you are than who I am. And so, you know, gave him the gave him the practice and we started it again. So we, we kind of, we went from being executive legal to executive law group because I feel a group makes a little bit more sense about what we're doing because we have these really unique verticals and things that we're really interested in. Like working with you, 
what you're doing, particularly in the social media space, is actually quite innovative, right? It's not a lot of places that... because I appreciate that. Yeah, it is. It is 100%. And from a legal perspective, it's different to an actor because an actor, you do a project and then you're off. Social media identity is you are who you are all of the time. And I think that, and I'd love to chat with you, and I'm sure we will get into this. The mental health toll that takes on you yep. has got to be intense. We'll get to it because I've got. I've, there's a few layers of that I was I was going to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it's this innovative stuff that we're doing, and it really aligns with me because I kind of get it. I'm not in the same seat, but I'm kind of sitting next to the to the social media stuff. So I feel like everyone in that social media realm is kind of on the, on the same the same field, the same team. And as you were saying, even though we have different professions. Sharing that front line, I feel like, is quite a, a big realistic thing we can all relate to. Absolutely. You've nailed it, right? It's Because it's I'm giving people a look at what it's like to, to be a lawyer through the eyes of me. And you're doing the same as an Olympic athlete through the eyes of you. It's interesting because the line doesn't, you know, you're always, you're always going to be you. And... It's something that hasn't been done before. So it's really interesting because I think we're kind of making it up as we go along. Oh, 100%. It's like a maybe 10% of the Truman Show. You know, it's like <laughs> somebody your whole life is always being shared and there's no stop button. Yeah, there's no stop button. And, and, and that's why hard days are really hard because mm. like I have these days where I, like, I just go, I can't. Like I don't want to turn on the camera and be charming today. Like just let me sleep. But you know, it's about consistency as well. And I think that as an athlete, you would nail that. So what I, when it comes to your law group now, what's some of the most common things you deal with? So my personal practice area, that so I've got kind of two, two roles. I'm the managing partner, which means my job is to oversee pretty much all of the cases that our firm does. And it kind of the buck stops with me. So I have a lot of junior staff that I oversee, mentor and support. I go out there and I bring in cases, which is a big part of the job. Because I've been on your website and you still have quite yeah, you know, a do. large team. Yeah, we, we do. And I, it's it's and honestly, it's the best, right? Like as you become kind of an old dinosaur, one of the interesting things yeah, about- He's the, 35 people, <laughs> not even. Well, it's, <laughs> but but you, it, it's the things that- it's, I think it's the difference between being the athlete and being the coach, right? So, I My synchro partner is still older than you. Well, my former synchro partner. Really? Yeah. Sheesh. Sheesh. You're doing well, Jahan. Thank you. I look younger than I am. I, I moisturize, right? Um, but it's, it's, a, it's, the, it's, the, it's the difference between being like the, the athlete and the coach. So my role is slowly... You know, I used to be the guy who would write the documents, go to court, have the arguments, and I still do that. But now it's more, how do I empower my team to have those skills? How do I make them the best versions of themselves? And so that's a big part of my job. That's a big part of the role that I do. And also um, a big part of the, the work that we sort of do is trying to figure out how we can best serve our clients' needs and be proactive. So for me, my personal area of expertise is criminal law. And not all types of criminal law. I'm really very, very good at um, anything to do with drugs or naughty stuff, as I call it, so that we don't get censored. Um, uh, anything to do with violence and anything to do with traffic. I'm pretty good at fraud and mental health and everything else I can do. But those are sort of the areas that I'm super good at and that I like really excel at. And so those are the things that I deal with day in and day out. Generally speaking, I do also a lot of trials. So in any given year, I might do anywhere between 
call it four to nine trials. And trials are when you go to in front of a judge and jury and argue a case. Um, and I do that with a team. So there's usually a barrister that I support and there's junior staff and we do all of those bits and pieces. Um, my business partner does um, pretty much the other stuff. So we've got someone who handles a majority of our family law matters, someone who does wills and estates. And the, the common theme through all of it, Sam, is disputes. Our firm specializes in disputes. So we're the firm you go to when you've got a problem and the other side's not being reasonable. Thankfully, most people are reasonable. Most of the time, hey, Sam, you borrowed a hundred bucks, pay it back. Oh, sure, I forgot. Fair enough. Yeah, but sometimes they're like, no, I never borrowed a hundred bucks. It was a gift. (laughs) And then you get into these disputes and when someone else is being unreasonable, you can't negotiate with them. So we have this big system called the law, which is basically dad, mom, Sam's being unreasonable. And we go and we take it out of the... We take it out of our pockets and we give it to someone else's. Mm-hmm. So when you're going in to court and you have a lot of pressure, how do you deal with that kind of pressure? It's a great question. Um, it, it has gotten a lot easier over the years as, as I've you know practiced more and more, but it's still there. Um, one of the interesting things that happened recently, I had a lovely client, really sweet, sweet kid um, who had gotten kind of made a couple of really bad decisions and had gotten mixed up with drugs and kind of life had taken a bad turn. And you know what? There's always an element of self-accountability that needs to be involved, but we really need to be less judgmental of what people are going through. I always think that people are only four or five really bad knocks away from losing everything. You know, people are very close to the margins, particularly in a cost of living crisis, you know, Given how tough things are in Sydney, at least, I really do sympathise with people. This guy, you know, he'd lost his he'd lost his sister in a really horrible way. You know, his boss had screwed him out of a lot of money. It doesn't make it okay, but it sort of explains it. And I was I was asking the court to basically show him a great deal of leniency. And I didn't realise how nervous I was. But as I sat there, my um my uh, my um heartbeat monitor was like hey are you you working out like (laughs) like are you are you because that's like it had spiked you've reached a daily fitness goal yeah i was and i was like what like i I looked at it and it was like yeah you you, you're training at the moment and i think that anxiety means that you care i mean you must still get butterflies well if if you're not nervous it's because you don't care and when you're standing up there trying to achieve your dreams you're nervous because it, it means the world to you and because you care so much. Absolutely. And I don't think you can be great if you don't care. Mm. I don't think you can be... Um, you so know, those nerves are kind of, as much as sometimes we don't love them, are, are crucial. Absolutely. It's it's a gift to love what you do. I mean, um, one of the things... I had a client tell me this once. And he said, what I like about you is that you clearly love what you do. Mm. And I think that hopefully that shines through because I do. Now, do I love it the 60 hours a week that sometimes I have to work? No. But do I love it 55 of those hours? Yeah, I do. I really do. I love the opportunity to help people and be there beside them when they're going through their worst day. I love the opportunity. I love the trust that they give me. You know, My job is very unique in that I'm gambling with someone else's money. There are very few jobs like it. Uh, the only job that I think is more like that is perhaps maybe a surgeon because a surgeon, you're asleep and they are working on you. And you have no say in that. Like, let's hope that they're on their A game. But with me, they're watching me. They're watching me talk <laughs> and being like, yeah, I hope this guy gets it right. Because if he says the wrong words in the wrong order, I go to jail. Can and it be like that simple as making one or two word mistakes and it's done? It, 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 
One of the beauties of criminal law, perhaps more than other areas, is that what you say actually can make a difference. Yep. And very, very rarely will the decision be completely pre-made before you speak. I think that it's not so much about saying, you know, there's a range of things that can happen. So, you know, and that range is generally quite broad. My job is really to get them the best result in that range. The prosecution's job is really to get them the most, you know, what they would say is perhaps the most appropriate, which is, I would say, harsh in that range. Anything outside of the range opens the court up to appeal. And there's a whole appeals process because beautiful, smart people, much smarter than you and I, decided a long time ago humans make mistakes and that we should have a process to deal with that. And that's the appeals process. But the game is really, and you know, game is probably an unkind version of something when you're dealing with people's lives, is how do I get them the best result in that range? And there is absolutely no doubt that good advocacy, good preparation and thinking things through will get you a far better result, much, much more towards the end of the range which I think is probably, I think that even on your worst day, on the most unprepared day, when you have your heads and your heart's not in it, there's only so bad you can be given your training, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah, you kind of bring up the, the bottom level. Yeah, there's, there's only so bad you can be, but it's, the, it's that when you're on and when you've trained and it's those little differences. Mm. And I think that that's what it is to be at the very peak of a profession. I'm not arrogant enough to think I'm that good, but certainly... There is something to be said for the micro differences that are made that are the difference between gold, silver, bronze. Yep. And it's the same, I think, in my line of work in that <clears throat> it's a difference between perhaps jail, community service, um, like no criminal record. The, the, there is a range. That's so hectic that walking in there, you can make the difference between someone going to jail and having community service like massive life changes and that comes down to words and communication i think so and look sometimes it's sometimes it's not that simple sometimes it's the person's going to jail it's a question for how long sometimes it's this is such an easy case johan just don't blow it right there's there's these they're not all like that but there is certainly sufficient there is certainly sufficient times per month definitely where me showing up unprepared, me showing up not ready. My cl- and a lot of it's not just me. A lot of it's my client. I, you know, my clients and I are married, and sometimes they have to do things that they don't like to do. You know, you probably, I'm, you know me. I'm annoying. Sam, have you spoken <laughs> to this person? Sam, have you checked? Sam, this? don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do don't that. Do this. You know what is this? Yeah, like, it's, I'm it's, sorry. It's, it's it's annoying. It's like being an older brother. Come on, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. But my job is to be that annoying person because it's better for me to go hey sam you need to go to rehab i know you don't want to go to rehab rehab's boring it's not fun you're going to be stuck you're going to be doing this you're going to be doing that you're going to be facing your demons but if you do that it's a you know it it gives us this this weapon that we can use when we go to court and Mm. it's that developing those you know it's it's developing that rigidity of thought and the hardest part is convincing uh, the hardest part is convincing people to do things that are for their own good because for a lot of people it's almost like well why would you i mean one of the one of the criticisms that p- happens to criminal defense lawyers a lot is well you're just in this for the money 
obviously I get paid. It's my profession. I have chosen to do this. But if you think that I picked criminal defense law for the money, you're insane. Tax lawyers make 10 times what we earn. Corporate lawyers make way more. I'm dealing with people who have a face. And when you have a face, your budget is much smaller than when you're a faceless corporation. Why did you go into criminal defense law? That's a great question. So I was, in a lifetime ago, I was a banker and I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. When I started as a lawyer, I wasn't getting many cases until a friend of mine who was a criminal defense lawyer said, I think you'd be okay at this. Try this case. And I didn't have a lot of cases at the time. And what what won that case was um, time. I sat down, I reviewed it. I went to court and I got a great outcome. And the client was just so grateful. And I just thought, this is really cool. Like I really get to help this person. And my career was sort of, this is actually, I don't think I've told you this story, but this is a good story. I had a fairly innocuous career. So I was kind of bumbling along doing bits and bobs until in 2000, uh, I think I want to say 16 or 2016, 13, I, I got assigned a matter that took place um, in Sydney. So it was two gentlemen who tried to rob the Louis Vuitton store. So the Louis Vuitton store on George Street, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's opposite the Apple store here yep. in Sydney. Google it for everyone watching online. It's a beautiful store. And one front of my, and center of yeah, Sydney. Front and center of Sydney, like a really nice part of town. Um, and one of my clients was a part of a robbery attempt. He broke in on a Friday or Saturday night and attempted to rob the store. And this guy had a tough life. Um, doesn't justify his behavior. But everyone sort of wrote this case off as he's going definitely to jail. He did a lot of stuff, positive stuff, to turn himself around. We showed up to court. We argued like tigers and my client didn't go to custody. When I came out, there was all of this press and the press were like, how is this allowed? This is outrageous. You know, youth getting away with crime. And it was all over the news. And at the time, it felt like the worst thing ever. My parents are calling me up, Jahan, I can't believe this. We came to Australia from Iran. As and this is a result of you doing my job. a good job. Yeah, my job. My job, is to, my job is to make the court see my client's humanity and give them a second chance, which is what happened. Um, but, you know, uh, the media portrayed it in a way like, you know, a scumbag criminal defense lawyer helps bad guys get away with crime. So um, my parents, my family, everyone was like outraged. And I thought it was, wow, what a bad thing. Now, in the week or two that followed that, I started getting phone calls. Hey, are you that guy who represented those kids? You did a really good job. My, my cousin needs this. My, da, da. And sort of it elevated my career in a really powerful way. Um, and it kind of taught me a very valuable lesson that I still carry to this day, which is we don't know if things are good or bad at the time that they happen. At the time that COVID happened, I thought it was the end. I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened. And now upon reflection, I would never have met you. I would never be in the position I'm in if I hadn't happened. And you wouldn't be able to give back to so many people that consume Absolutely. your content. The millions, Absolutely. tens of hundreds of millions. Uh, it, it is... It is I, I don't know if you have this sensation. I go, I'm not, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy who likes, like, I'm just a guy who loves talking about the law, um, likes having a chat, loves sharing stories about the weird stuff that I see. I never thought I was inspirational. I thought my, my friends go, you're pretty funny. And when you hang out with your friends, <laughs> they laugh a little bit. But I thought that was just a normal experience. But to, to find that it resonates with so many people is really beautiful. And I would never have found that if at the time I didn't go through that awful thing. 
So now I keep a very open mind to when I'm dealing with a bad experience about whether this is actually a good thing or a bad thing because I've seen it happen over and over again. And then consistently dealing with, say, sad or very challenging times in people's life, how do you stay so positive and mentally healthy and strong seeing, you know, maybe a tough side of society quite often? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, When I was, I call it vitamin P, vitamin perspective. And the perfect story for this is many years ago, I was driving to jail to visit a client who was in custody. Sorry, visit a client in remand. Now, remand is when you have been denied bail, but you have not been proven to do anything wrong. You are in jail because they think you're, for whatever reason, not suitable for bail, but you're still proclaiming your innocence. And I woke up and I was having a bad day and I had no reason to have a bad day, but I was having one. We've all had those. It's just like that. Yeah, it's just like that. I think I had a coffee that was a bit too cold or a bit too hot. And I was always driving. People were being terrible on the road and like my my iPod at the time or whatever was not charged. I was annoyed. And I carried this entitled terrible energy up until I got into the jail and literally until I heard the the, the door of the jail clink behind me and I just realized, oh my God, this poor guy is in jail. He says he didn't do anything wrong. His liberty has been denied to him. What right do you have in your wildest dreams to be upset about a coffee or a thing? And I think that for me, one of the gifts of this job is perspective. You know, I, I, I helped a refugee in a, in a matter once and I remember asking him, what do you love about Australia? And he said, I love that you can get unlimited clean water in whatever temperature you want. Wow. Wow. It, it, it's something you don't even think about. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't even think that that's a real thing. And I think that one of the things for me is really just coming back to that gratitude. I, I, have, I keep a gratitude journal, which is a really easy practice. I just write a few things I'm grateful for every morning. It's not always the case that I'm positive. I have some pretty, you know, I, I am prone to the blues and I can get very, very sad. But as a general proposition, I try my best to look on the sunny side of things and I try to appreciate all of the good things because every day is not great, but there's something great in every day. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I There's a guy I love to listen to. He's He's gone now, but his name is Jim Rohn. I used to love his stuff on, love Jim Rohn. on YouTube. And he said... You know, some people when they when they look out the window, they they see the sunset, and others see the specks on the window. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Jim Rohn really knows how to make you. Understand. I love that guy. Oh, he's like, the best. People like that, I listened to so much growing up, and I feel like that kind of trained my mind to start thinking like maybe I could do that. Hundred percent, and and I think you are. You're definitely inspiring me. Um, you know, and 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 I think one of the things that is so important is. We default to we default to the negative because of evolution, right? So keeps you safe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's much better to be like, "Ooh, there's a tiger over there. I'm going to stay away from there." Than, "Ooh, there might be some berries." So we default to you know, people would objectively, and the the data on this is unequivocal. They would rather, um, they would rather not lose twenty dollars than win twenty dollars. Mm. You have this aversion to loss, and so I think that one of the obligations that you have is to train yourself to see the positive and to take control of it consciously because it just takes three or four days of not priming, prepping, and you start to go back onto that track. You yep. will, I, I, I mean, I, It's a I, constant battle, right? Absolutely. Constant. And I, I think that 
I used to think there's a secret that you learn or like, you know, there's a wisdom that you obtain and then all of a sudden you're this positive, uplifted person forever. Yeah, nah. I think it's just every day you got to wake up and do the things, um, simple things, exercise. It's oh, the small things. Sleeping more is such a key one for me. Like when I don't sleep enough, like I take a dramatic dip. Like Absolutely. I just, I need it. It's just, I mean, look, Andrew Huberman, who I love, I don't know if you listen to his podcast, he's fantastic. He's a neurobiologist and he's like, it's pretty easy. You need to have good, meaningful social connection. You need to sleep sufficiently. You need to eat good food and you need to exercise. If you're not doing these, like forget your affirmation journals and stuff. Like start with the really basic stuff. Mm. Remember that you're an animal and animals need certain sort of things. And for me, I found focusing on... I came to exercise very late in life. You know, growing up, exercise was not a thing. You know, I come from a family of very academic sort of people and academia, academia, academia was everything. You, your family came from Iran. Yeah, we came from Iran um, and, you know, I'm a first generation Australian. So um, my family came here. Uh, were, you, were you born in Australia? No, I came here when I was two, basically leaving Iran and sort of the, the war there. So... Um, did you guys come as refugees? Yeah, well, wow. we came as skilled migrants, but basically under refugee conditions. Yep. Um, and I remember the hu- my my parents. My parents are both doctors. They're doctors now, but they were doctors in Iran. They had to come. They had to get reskilled, retrained. It was very hard. It was a very tough life. The good thing about Australia is I don't know if it's still this way, because I talk to a lot of new migrants and they seem to think it isn't, and that really breaks my heart. But this is the lucky country. If you come here, you show up and you work. Australia will be good to you. Australia's been so good to my family. It's been so good to me, um, which is why I feel so compelled to give back and, and do things. But yeah, I'm a first generation Australian. But for me and my family, a lot of it was, you're going to study, you know, we're going to give back to our community by using our brains. I didn't understand the importance of exercise for my own mental health and my own, you know, physical health. Did your health. parents exercise or Not as much as they working? should. No, look, my mom, my mom loves a walk. My dad loves a run. But it was never like, hey, we as a family are going to go train and this and this and this. It just wasn't a thing that we did. It wasn't sort of our connection style. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, man, if I don't do X number of steps a day, I go a bit loopy and I don't understand why. If yep. I'm not lifting heavy things, your body needs, I mean, for me, my body needs to lift heavy things. I like lifting heavy things. I feel better. What is your favorite of, exercise in the gym? You know what? I'm So I've been doing consistent exercise. I call it 18 months only which is really embarrassing. Wait, it's bad no days. Yeah, true. So Great. so uh, I like I like um I like uh I like weightlifting. I think it's fantastic and I like squash. I mm. love squash. Yeah. Cuz by the end of it you're just this sweaty puddle of like oh god. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you get for me my life is um, stressful emails. Just daily stressful emails because that's that's my job. You know, Jahan, I'm in jail, help me. Uh you know, <laughs> hey, hey, your client's being sued for 2 million dollars. You know, um, we're divorcing you and you'll never see your kids again. These are the emails oh. I get like every day. And those are really heavy. But if you've been running around a squash court for, for an hour and you're sitting there like a mess and an email comes through and someone's like, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to, te- the bank's going to foreclose at the house. You go, I could probably deal with that. Like mm. I just ran around for an hour. I can, I can write an email. It's okay. And so um, the, the link for mental health has been really good for me. So I guess one of the things I would encourage anyone watching this who may be, maybe doesn't understand that link and maybe thinks exercise is for vanity or is for this or that, it's been transformative for me. And you were really instrumental in that. I remember us talking. Really? Yeah, man. I remember us talking because I've known you, what, two, three years now. Yep, yep. And I, was, and I remember you were just like, Jahan, exercise is really important. Like, you've really got to get into it. And I was like, oh, 
what is this, you know, what, what can what can Sam teach me that I don't know? And I was like, yeah, he's probably right. And, you know, you build up to it. You don't just go day one, oh, hey. Well, if you do, you're going to have a bad time. And fortunately for me, growing up, it was a big part of my family. Like my dad took me the soccer. My mom took me the trampolining and it just became part of my routine. And when you talk about dealing with the pressures and how exercise can help, I, I couldn't agree more. Even when I wake up and I don't feel good, and then I go to the gym and then I find I can work. Yeah. It's like for some somehow putting out more effort, 100%. I get more back. I think for every minute that you're exercising, you get at least two minutes back in efficiency. Like it is such a, it's the same as sleep. For every oh, extra yeah. hour, you, if you sleep sufficiently, the next day you're a rock star. You're pumping out things. I'm like, I often go, wow, I'm really good today. I wonder what it is. It's like, oh, because you slept like a human being. Yep. You didn't scroll on your phone till 1 a.m. Um, the death scroll. The death scroll. And I mean, I, I apologize if ever you've gotten in, caught in one of my loops and you're death scrolling. And I'm sure Sam <laughs> apologizes similarly, but he won't. I will as his lawyer on his behalf. Yeah. Uh, no comment. Talk, <laughs> talk to good Johan. Answer. <laughs> so if someone gets arrested, yes. what do they do? Okay. Um, if you're arrested, first things first, be calm. Don't stress out. People in crisis... Challenge have, one. It's the biggest challenge. <laughs> it's the biggest challenge. Because in a crisis, your IQ drops like 50 points and you just want to get out of there. So the first thing you got to do is stay calm. The second thing, it is not always the case, but 99% of the time, and I'm, I can only talk about my jurisdiction, New South Wales. I practice in Victoria a little bit as well, but let's just keep it to New South Wales where I can say I know what I'm talking about. It is best to get legal advice immediately. So call, contact a friend or family. On any case, no matter what. If you're arrested, absolutely. If the authorities are intruding into your life, so the department of whatever, the police, the immigration department... If anyone is asking you questions that would potentially affect your liberty or your future, do not talk to them without getting legal advice. Legal advice is not you. People have this misunderstanding that if I get legal advice, it seems like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's crazy. They're, they're there making accusations about you. You have every right to understand how that process works. It is so complicated that there are people like my... I don't even know all the rules and police procedures. I've done it for a decade. I know most of them and I, I, I know 90, 90% of them, but I don't even know all of the rules. People ask me stuff like, oh, Jahan, if the AFP comes and says I need to unlock my phone, do I need to? Well, the answer is usually it depends. But if I can guarantee you that if I was in that situation, I would want an independent lawyer looking at that warrant and telling me what they can and can't do. I would want, and if nothing else, just have an independent person there to make sure what's happening to you is fair. So get legal advice. Do not talk to them until you've received that legal advice because that lawyer or that person is designed to have only your interests at heart. The other side has their interests, whatever they may be. Okay. We live in what's called an adversarial legal system. An adversarial legal system, it's a competition. It's awful as it is. I have my job and my obligation and you have your job and your obligation and they're going to butt heads. So don't make it easy for them do what you have to do and get legal advice because you might say something you let's take let's take a very common scenario because that's such a real thing yeah. say when they come up and they're like or exactly that oh if i haven't done anything wrong i have nothing to hide i i, I don't i 
let me go back to my university days. When I was at university, I was studying commerce at the University of Sydney. I was 19. I was walking down the street with some friends. My friends decided to, we were all a little bit tonked. My friends decided to jump on a car bonnet and take a photo. Police arrive. Arrest all of us. Um, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I really wasn't. Um, all of us are arrested. All of us are given the fourth degree. What's that? The fourth degree is basically when they treat you like you're a criminal and you've done the wrong thing. Yep. T- t- I, I don't know why I didn't talk. Thank God I didn't know the rules or laws back then. And um, I engaged a lawyer and, and uh, from the um, the university has a, a, a had a legal service. The, she was a wonderful lawyer. Maggie, if you're watching this, you're the best. Maggie, Maggie Hayes, great person. She came and she was like, this is outrageous what happened to you guys. Um, I got my charges thrown away. I was completely innocent. Um, the, the guy who jumped on the bonnet, you know, got charged because he did the wrong thing. If I'd said something like, oh yeah, I was there, maybe they would charge me as an accessory after the fact. Maybe they would do something. I'm innocent in this case. I didn't do anything wrong. Talking might put you in a position of peril. So it's best not to talk. You don't have to say anything. The, the way that it works, and maybe this this will explain it a little bit better. There is a beautiful thing called the presumption of innocence. The presumption of innocence works this way. And we're very lucky to have this in we're Australia. We're so lucky. Like this is, to give you an example, once upon a time, the power of the monarch and the government was absolute. I don't like your face. You're guilty. You're killed. <laughs> so a lot of people died. So we have these systems. So it's pretty, pretty far from uh, innocent till proven guilty. Yeah. Though. Like a lot of people died for us to have these systems. These systems are really important. So the presumption of innocence goes like this. You never have to prove anything. I have to prove everything against you and I have to prove it to a certain standard called beyond reasonable doubt in a criminal case. So if you are innocent, do I have to say I didn't do it? No, I don't have to say anything. I'm innocent. I don't have to help you. I don't have to. I am innocent. You are bothering an innocent man until you prove that I'm guilty. So your duty and your obligation is to do nothing. So don't give them evidence. Don't work with them. Don't talk with them. I'm not saying police are bad. Police are great. We're very lucky to have a functional police force. You know, I don't bash cops. I think that a majority of cops are great people doing a good job. There is a small minority that are bad and those people are very bad because they, um, the power they have is so enormous that they can destroy people's lives, you know, like a certain police officer who's uh, the child of a politician who lied about whether somebody had done something and then that poor guy got arrested and spent, you know, some time in custody, um, which is a case that I'm sure someone in the comments will write. Um, they, they should know what I'm talking about. But it, it, it's, it's, it's not about bashing cops, but it's about you don't have to prove anything. You shouldn't prove anything. So exercise your rights and your rights is I don't want to talk to you. Does that mean you could be sitting quiet for hours? Absolutely. The best thing you do is you... So certain groups, let's say you're a young person, let's say you're an indigenous Australian, let's say that you might qualify for legal aid. um, You you will get a lawyer assigned to you, certain vulnerable groups. You will have extra protections. But if you're just a man on the street or a woman on the street, um, legal aid will usually give you some advice. Otherwise, contact your family, get them to call a lawyer. There's a lot of 24-hour lawyers. I'm a 24-hour lawyer. You can contact me day or night, Christmas Eve whatever i'll do my best to give you advice i take that real i take i treat that obligation really seriously i kind of think of it as like a doctor in an emergency room like patient comes in you deal with it it doesn't matter i'm you know my my family my wife especially she's so patient um they understand that 
I have signed up for this. And I can imagine when someone gets into trouble, it's typically not at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. No, it's normally the opposite. Yeah, it's usually like 4 a.m. Which get which gets you up early, and, and early in the okay. morning. And that's okay. You know what? That's it, that's, It's an obligation that I signed up for and I accepted. I'm still you know, energetic, young, and passionate enough to do it. Maybe in five years, I won't be, uh, which is why I have a team underneath me. God bless them. <laughs> They're going to do it for me someday. But you don't have to prove anything. So you're arrested. You be quiet. You ask for your phone call. You speak to your family. You tell them, I've been arrested and get a lawyer. Any good lawyer will be able to call back the... So w- let's flip it now. All right. So you've been arrested. You've done the right thing. You've called mom. You've called dad. You've called whoever. You've said, get me a lawyer. They've called me and they've said, hey... My son Sam's in trouble. He's, you know, he's been arrested. Okay, now I, I'm Jahan now. Okay, where is Sam being held? Sam's being held at Day Street Police. Okay, no problem. I will, I have, I'm, I think I have every local area command's number saved on my phone. But if I not, I'll call up and I'll go, hi, I've been, you know, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be engaged by your family. We'll, you know, we'll make sure that the process works. And I'll call up and I'll say, you know, I represent Mr. Sam Fricker. He's being held right now. Um, can I please speak with him? 99 times out of 100, the, the custody sergeant will put you on straight away. One time out of 100, you're going through some sort of process. You're being whatevered and I need to call back. And can you talk freely when you're on the phone then? You can. You can. There's an Look, there's people who are paranoid and think that you're being recorded. Um, I don't think you're ever being recorded. I don't think that we have a system that corrupt. Um, but generally speaking, we won't be... We won't be going into the details at any length. I'll just be like, hey, Sam, I know you're stressed. Just letting you know your family has it covered. Um, I'll, speak to the, I'll speak to the officer in charge and I'll say, what's Sam been charged with? Oh, we, you know, we're investigating this or he's been charged with that. Based on what they tell me, I'll give you advice. Sam, they've said that this, this and this has happened. They're denying you bail. So tomorrow at 9 a.m., we're going to have a bail hearing at this court. Just stay calm. Or, hey, Sam, I think you're going to be granted bail. You know, they're going to invite you for an interview based on this, this, and this. I don't think you should give that interview or I do think you should give that interview. So there's times you should talk. Very rarely. Okay. Very rarely. And I would say never without a lawyer's explicit, this makes sense. One of the, so I'll give you an example. One of them is a thing called a special caution. A special caution is this weird rule that we have in New South Wales, which is kind of, I think, pretty, pretty gnarly and shouldn't be allowed. But my job is to interpret the law, not make it. And I know you've spoken to some politicians, so next time you take them to task for this one. But a special caution is, in certain cases, if you don't say what you were doing or where you were, you can't later say and rely upon what you were saying or doing. This is in very rare and serious circumstances. It's kind of like a exception to the rule around... So you got one chance to tell the truth. In this, yeah. You have the right to self-incrimination, right, is suspended in very specific circumstances. It's, it's so rare that it maybe happens twice a year. Ooh, so it's not okay. worth worrying about for most people. In that case, I might tell you, hey, let's have a chat. Like, or let's go. Or, hey, I'm going to... And some cases, I'm like, hey, this is pretty messed up. I'm going to come down to the station then and there. And, you know, I'll, I keep a suit and tie in my car at all times. You know, like, like Batman. And I fly down. And I fly down. And we, Two second changes yeah, yeah, there. I, man, I can get changed in a phone booth. You, you got no idea. It's a shame they got rid of them. It's just on the street now. But, um... I'll come down and we'll talk it out and we'll go through it in some detail around what we need to do. But that's generally the process. Um, you know, if we have to prepare for bail, I'll speak to your family, I'll speak to you and we'll deal with the crisis in front of us. The best analogy is it's trauma surgery. It's like a car accident or a war zone. I can't, or 
in chess, if you go, what's the best move in chess? That's a stupid question. The best move in chess is what just happened responding to that. The best mm. move is the next move responding to what's already been played. Same with criminal defense law. Uh-huh. It's unique in that way. And when, when you get caught up and you've got to go, what's the most common, common thing for that? Uh, uh, so different areas, different things. It can, um, depends on the time as well. You look, Fairly common offenses that people call me about. First thing is don't be embarrassed. If you've been arrested, I'm not here to judge you. I don't care. I've heard everything from the most gnarly, you know, the most gnarly, over-the-top, horrible stuff to stuff that's not even that bad. You know, I've I had a horrific case where um horrific, horrific case where um really serious allegations of serious sexual violence, which were subsequently proven to be untrue. But the person was like, you know, this this person's done X, Y, Z to me. And they hadn't. Um, all the way through to I've been accused of drug supply. Sometimes they've done it. Sometimes they haven't. Or, hey, I've been in a fight. You know, I, I had one where also acquittal, not a big deal. But at the time, at a, at a my client goes to a, a bar. He's at the bar. He's having a few drinks. A skinhead comes up to him and his girlfriend starts saying abusive things. He leaves, thank God for CCTV footage because the skinhead comes up to him, squares off with him and uh, starts throwing punches. My guy moves to the side, one punch, hits the guy, hits the pavement. Guy gets um, fairly serious injuries. Um, he's called me up, he's freaking out. You know, I'm not going to get bailed, da-da-da-da-da. Um, ultimately- by So your the- client here really hasn't- My client's- ju- self-defense. My client's, it, it was- it, it was the most self-defense, self-defense case I've seen. And one of the difficulties is whenever you're dealing with another side, there's always room for interpretation. What about when there's hundreds of people there that, or like you're in a bar and people see it? Well, the the police said that, that it was excessive self-defense. I don't know how one punch thrown at someone who's trying to clobber my head in is excessive self-defense. But, you know, we, we, we agree to disagree. And then we took it in front of a magistrate and a magistrate agreed with my interpretation you know, on a different day, a different magistrate might inter- agree with theirs. So it's very rare that the charges will be completely dropped, although sometimes it happens. But you hear gnarly stuff on the phone. Anything from, hey, they found my computer and there's stuff on there that shouldn't be on there, all the way through to, I've been accused of defrauding, you know, I've been accused of defrauding millions <laughs> of dollars. You hear it all. You, you your job as a lawyer is not to judge that person. It's to start thinking strategically about what the next step is. And so that's not a hard job. So it will be like, if they've been denied bail, one of the next strategies is, should we go for bail? That's an, that's the that's the immediate question. And just for bail, is that where you pay to get out? Yeah, basically. So bail is a, bail is the concept that we keep people in custody because we want to make sure that they deal with the justice system. Bail's not meant to be a punishment, although sometimes it gets treated as such, which is really disgraceful. And we in New South Wales have something called the unacceptable risk test, where we look at whether or not there's an unacceptable risk of someone not turning up for whatever reason. Maybe they're a flight risk, maybe there's this and that. And if they're an unacceptable risk, whether there's conditions we can put around that to keep them, to, to, to get rid of that unacceptable risk. And that's so, to get them out until they go to court. Until they go to court. And What time period can that be? can be years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The justice so system people, is slow. Can yeah. Some people be held for years. I had a case. Th- check this nonsense out. I had a case. Poor client arrives in Australia. In his possession, in his possession, 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Property is a towel. The towel is contained, uh, the towel contains methamphetamine. Um, so I think it was what we would call ice. He goes, it's not mine. He's kept in custody. They refuse to release him onto bail in the community. He waits there for a year and a bit until his trial. First trial, hung jury. So the jury couldn't come to a unanimous decision about that situation. So um, year and a half, a year, yearish has passed at this stage. Um, they go, we're going to try him again. We're going to have another case. I go, okay, let's get him bail. No, they refuse. Court doesn't give him bail. Waits another, I think, eight months, has a second trial where he's found not guilty. This guy spent two years in jail to ultimately be found not guilty. Crazy. Crazy. It's absolutely insane. How do you give to... And, by the way, you don't get compensation for that. That's no... Why not? Because that's not how it works. We have to test the evidence and this and that. So... It's it's absurd. Like there's some situations now. I'm not here to bad badmouth the justice system because the justice system does a very good job considering what it deals with. But there are these outliers or these cases that happen where you just go, "This is so disgusting and unjust. How can this possibly be?" When you mentioned he was a poor client, had he been wealthy, would this have not been an issue? I think it, I think if he had a house or something, he could have put up for bail. Maybe it would have been a different is- situation. So you can do that. So so. Um, the justice system doesn't judge you based on money. Um, that um, that's that's pretty clear. But, but then, why is bail consistent on on financials? It's not. It's not. So there's okay. bail can be a number of things. Bail can be I'm going to report every day to the police station. It could be I'm going to have an electronic monitor. It could be that I'm going to go um, not. I'm going to give up my passport. It could be oh. that Sam says that I'm a good bloke and signs a document that I'm a good bloke. It could be money. It could be any of those things. It could be all of those things. Do you get to pick what it is? So there's a list of conditions and you go through and you tick the one. So obviously more serious stuff requires more serious bail because there's more likely. So if you're accused of being a drug lord with hundreds of millions of dollars of assets and 50 fake identities, you're going to have a lot harder time getting bail than somebody who say, um, you know, it's a biff in a car park and no one got seriously hurt, right? I always thought bail was just uh, you had to pay so much to get out. Is That's that- an American thing. Okay, I was going to say, is Our that American the US? Because it's an American thing. And they've that- got a whole industry around that. Like, wow. it's crazy. I- even their jails are privatized, from what I've heard. Yeah. it's oh, Surely it's, that's dangerous. It's a, Of course it is. It's the wild, wild west. I mean, the, the, the Americans do the American thing. And I love our American friends. But, like, some of the stuff that they just do would get me disbarred. Like, even, you know, 
objection strike that from the record we don't do any of that stuff like if you got an <laughs> objection you just calmly stand up and say i object or objection and then you sit down patiently and the other side gets up and very politely explains their objection and then they sit down and then you get up and i've heard know. a few times you you say on your socials that it's not like suits it's, no it's not like it's not like suits it's not like um that uh whatever that video game is ace attorney where he's like objection <laughs> it's it's not like that it's very civilized it's and it's sh- and it needs to be right that's good it absolutely in a perfect world in a perfect world there would be um it would be dealt with the same dispassion as two dentists discussing teeth mm. right the reality is you're dealing with people's freedoms and you're dealing with people's family you should care a little bit more than some you know some dental work um and the interesting thing about, and this is the thing that I raise, because I've got friends who are in the medical profession and most of my friends who are doctors all think they're God. So if you're watching this, you're not. Um, there is very few jobs where, I, imagine you're a surgeon, you make a cut and someone on the other side is stitching it right back up. That's the job of a lawyer, mm. right? For everything I'm doing, there's someone on the other side trying to undo it. So really, it's a bit of a competition. It, it, it is a competition. It's a boxing match. How do it's you, an alternative to war. How do you play that game? You understand that you're doing a job mm. and you don't get, you, you know, you understand that you're doing a job. You understand that your job is to, the number one responsibility of a lawyer is to make sure that the integrity of the justice system holds firm. So what I mean by that is you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't take cheap shots because if you do that, you destroy your integrity and the justice system won't function. And the reality is the justice system requires people to behave honorably and to conduct themselves well. So for me, the number one obligation I have, you know, imagine you could, let, let's take a horrible example, and I'm not saying that this applies to you, but let's say an athlete who dopes. An athlete who dopes might win, right? They might win. But they're destroying the integrity of the entire mm. system that they have become a part of and they've agreed to uphold. And that's why we take it so seriously. Yeah. Simple, right? Yep. And that's the, and it's no different. You, it's not worth getting a win at the expense of cheapening this thing that we've all, we've all agreed to play by these rules. We've got to play by these rules. And then when it comes to dealing with other lawyers, is that pretty civilized as well? Depends. Okay. Um, lawyers are humans. Humans mm. are varied. Um, you know, sometimes you, sometimes, sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes, oh, who's, I know that guy. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Right uh, before you're yeah, about to compete. Yeah. Hey, Danny, <laughs> you're on the other side of the case. Oh, man. Look, like, oh, yeah, man, I'll negotiate with you. We'll figure this out. And then there's other ones like you see the name. Oh, that guy's a prick. I'm not going to be able to deal with him. Like, mm. And you'd that, rather sort things out outside absolutely. court, right? Absolutely. Or you, uh, uh, you want to go in front of a judge. Judges have so much on. You want to go in front of a judge and be like, Sam and I, it thought, we thought there was 80 issues in dispute. There's really three. That's what these three things are that you need to decide, Your Honor. Judge is going to love that, right? Whereas we go in and we say, no, nah, uh, Sam's an idiot. Um, 80 <laughs> things are in dispute. Um, now that I've spoken to him, there's actually 85 because he's such a jerk. It's, it's gotten worse in the yeah, five minutes. Yeah, in the five minutes we've, you know, sometimes that happens and sometimes uh-huh. you get into these, like, I've got a black book, you know, a, a book of people I will not negotiate with. They're just unreasonable. They're untrustworthy. I won't have dealings with them. If they make me an offer, I need it in writing. I need it mm. signed. I need a witness. And I'm sure there are people out there who probably feel the same way about me. So it's 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 about the integrity of the system. And the reality is because law is such a big, big place, there are going to be more and less reasonable people. Dealing with some naughty people sometimes. Yes. Have you ever felt 
threatened or endangered yourself? Yeah, I've had people threaten me. It's it's pretty standard. Um, you got to make an assessment when people threaten you about how credible the threat is, right? So I can understand someone who got a bad result being furious and wanting to yell at me. They're, they're, you know, I get that. That's life. And not everyone has sophisticated coping mechanisms like you and I, right? Not everyone can write in their journal, I had a disappointment today and like really process. Sometimes they need to kick and scream. Sometimes, sometimes the system screwed them, right? They, they, really, they really had a strong case and on the day it went against them. I can understand that. Um, the, 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 most, the most I've ever felt actually anxious I've represented a lot of clients who are what you would call forensic clients or, or the, you know, the, the sexy, the sexy um, American thing is criminally insane. And when you're dealing with people who are actually mentally ill and who maybe have something like schizoaffective disorder, which is they, they have maybe some paranoia, but also their emotions are out of control. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty freaky. Okay. That's pretty freaky, but you feel sympathy for them. They're not evil. They're just sick. Um, but you know, gangsters, people who've threatened me. Yes, it's happened. Um, have I ever felt really in danger? No, but... Uh, Why not? Well, I think I give pretty conservative advice. I don't mislead people. So one of the benefits of my practice and one of the, the, the joys is I'm pretty honest with people. I don't lie to people to get their case. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you, hey, the range is A to Z. I think we're going to get more around B. There are other people who lie. Sam, you sign with me, my man. I'm going to get you A, A plus. And then you go to court and you were never going to get A plus. You get a C. The person gets upset. It's understandable. Mm. Um, so being up, being up I front. I think being can, up front. And also like, look, I've, I've represented dangerous people, but generally speaking, many dangerous people understand that you're... I think what would really upset people is if they saw that you weren't fighting for them mm. or if they saw that you didn't try. If you showed up to court unprepared and bumbling or you know you were making promises to bad people you know or helping them do things that you shouldn't do mm. that being said i mean there's, there's there's there was a horrific incident recently where you know, a fellow criminal defense lawyer was targeted and shot at his house yeah it was here in sydney here in sydney and that scares the heck out of me because like i'm i'm newly married you know i'm 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 parenthood may be on the card soon i've got my parents new dog my little baby. Oh, yeah, Paloma. <laughs> Shout out to my girl. Um, it really scares me. And so, look, nothing's worth your safety. Um, you know, if I started getting those kinds of threats, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'll grow apples or something. Um, but I, I try to be, most of my clients, I think that to give you context, I did the math at the end of the year. I've done about 4,000 cases over my career. Wow. Wow. Give or take. Um including times where I've worked with legal aid or I've done like, you know, lists of 10, 20 people on a day. So about 4,000. And I can tell you, maybe there's been six or seven people who are pure evil. Most of the people that I've represented are good people who've made a mistake. Can I say that's something that I've taken away from you and all your social media, actually not boxing people in, but yeah. saying, you know what? That person's made a mistake. They're still a human being. Yeah. I always say, don't judge people by the best thing they did or the worst thing they did. Judge them by an average Tuesday, right? People are complicated. And it's very, we have this thing in our heads where we go, well, I'm the only, because we we hear all of our thoughts. We, hear, we feel all of our feelings. So we think we're very complex, but we think other people are simple, right? If somebody steals, there's a million reasons why. 
some of them, all of them are bad and all of them shouldn't happen, but some of them are more valid than others. I feel a great deal more sympathy for someone who steals because their child was about to go hungry than someone who steals to go put it in a casino, right? I feel a great deal more sympathy for someone who fights someone because they grew up in a in an abusive household and the only strategy they know is violence versus someone who likes to get drunk and punch mm. on. I feel a different energy and the reality is that we get this you you when you hear about what someone's done that's wrong you only get this little sliver of them it's heartbreaking but for many people i'll be the first adult that's ever sat with them and talked to them about their life people don't have supportive family you'd be shocked one of the things that blows my mind and always amazes me is how well some people are doing given how bad their circumstances are you know shout, shout out to those people yeah, pushing, the unspoken heroes out there, you know, the, the, the quiet, you know, the, the people who, who suffered such abuse and such torment and such pain and such neglect, and at the very least don't make it worse for other people. Like, shout out to them, because we absolutely 100% underestimate how close people are to the margins. And one of the rules I live by, you can't always make people's lives better, but you can always not make it worse. <laughs> You can all, you don't have to kick people yeah. because you don't know how close they are to the edge, right? You don't know how close people are to the very, very edge. Some of the stories people have told, I, I've never had a conference with a client and they haven't told me something that absolutely broke my heart. That's never happened. I've never sat with someone for an hour, two hours, because my conferences are pretty deep. I want to understand, if, you, if you're taking drugs, I want to understand why. Now, it may be that, yeah, I'm a hedonist. My friends are hedonists. We like to party. That's okay, but I need to understand that. It could be, yeah, look, my grandma just died and uh, she was the only person who ever told me she loved me and mm. when I take you know, drugs, I forget about that for three hours. You know, or you know, it, it, it could be anything in that spectrum. It could be, hey, I don't think people like me and I don't like myself and so when I take drugs at a festival, um, I'm surrounded by really nice people who say nice things to me and that's the only positive reinforcement I get. It could be anything. Um, what 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 have you, have you learned from seeing that vulnerability and the, the people of, are complicated and beautiful yeah. and that we we really don't know what people are going through and we have to be more compassionate i thought this job would make me more cynical right i thought that now doing it for 10 years i'd be let you know i started out very starry-eyed you know believing in the system and after doing it for 10 years the system honestly i'm amazed it doesn't collapse and the reason it doesn't collapse is that there are good people, people much better than me, fighting tooth and nail to keep it going, and that people are fundamentally, fundamentally they're really good. And I know my, I know I've had a pretty easy. I mean, I, when I look at my life, objectively maybe it wasn't that easy, but to me it seems pretty easy compared to some of the stuff other people are dealing with. We have no idea what people are going through, and so I guess just if there's one lesson to take away from all this is treat people with grace and be kind to them and assume positive intent. Assume they don't know any better. Um, don't obviously don't let parasites into your life. Don't you know? You need to advocate for yourself and stand up for yourself, but just treat people with treat people like they're worth respecting. Yeah, and everyone's you should give respect to everyone. Yes, absolutely. The the the. One of the powerful because we're, we're, we're all human. One of the most powerful lessons for me is when I was growing up, my parents, when they came to Australia, you know, 
they they were doctors overseas and all of a sudden they're back to being students now there is a huge financial difference between being a doctor and being a student you know i remember my dad hustling hard delivering food and my mom working and you know taking care of me and we lived in this tiny terrible apartment um there was there wasn't space and like i just remember it being really tough and i remember the way people treated me and then when i was about i want to say 10 11 12 13 both of them got requalified and all of a sudden Mm. they're making doctor money which is a lot more than student money and overnight the way people treated me changed and i remember thinking there's something wrong with this and I will never be like the people who treated me differently because I had money in my pocket versus I didn't. It was actually one of the greatest gifts growing up very humble and seeing both sides of it because it really did shift my perspective on the... I hadn't changed, but the way people treated me changed. Even as an athlete, we we see that. Whether you 100%. win, lose, make the team, don't make the team... Like I've always looked for the people that have supported me no matter what. And when things haven't gone my way, uh, having that support network there anyway, and you, you, you just, you really get a, a good gist of who's there for the right reasons. Well, you don't want a fair weather friend, right? You mm. don't want, when you're on top of the world, everyone is going to have your back. When you're on the team and you're winning medals, you are going to have opportunities flying at you. It is going to be ridiculous. When I was on Netflix, everybody, everybody, <laughs> Jahan, it's so good to see Jahan, you. Jahan, my best friend. We've been, yeah, we've been we've friends been for buddies, 10 years yeah. now. It's a- <laughs> oh my God, message this and that. Everybody was all over me. But, you know, on those days where I've lost a trial and someone I think is innocent is going to jail and the, you know, the tax departments, where's this, where's that? It's those days where you've got friends who've been there from day one or you've got a family or you've got a partner and you just go, hey, I'm, I'm just, let's, let's just eat some laksa and be sad. Yeah. Um, that, that, you need that because it balances out because the one thing is, um, I really love that phrase, this too shall pass because yeah. the good times, they pass and so do the bad times. It's just this constant cycle and I think that with... Like we write off a lot of this really powerful wisdom as being like kind of you know airy fairy and esoteric. But it's airy fairy because it's, it's true. true. It's true. It's yep. so profound that it's true. That's why I guess like the idea of you need more sleep, you need to drink more water, and you need to exercise. It's as if it's too simple for you to yeah. believe. It's like you go, you go. Well, that's too, that's, <laughs> why would I do that? Because because people want it to be. They want it to be complicated. They want to be like okay, I don't know. I um. I went, I, I climbed the mountain, I met the guru and all of a sudden they taught me the secret. It's not that, it's that it's simple stuff. The, the, the hard part is you've got to do it every day. You've got to wake up every day, you know. There's a really good book about this or something similar called The Alchemist. About My favorite how, book. Really? Yeah, Paolo Colo, yeah. He, he travels around trying to find the place where it was always where he started. That. If you haven't read it, The Alchemist is my, it's a big recommendation, easily my favorite book. Even just that gave me the ability to try and feel grateful about just the moments that I have here because no matter how much you're chasing, what what you have right now is is very special and, and unique as well. Absolutely. And it's, it, you, you get caught up in that. I, I certainly do. You get caught up in this, you know, I've got this project. Like the grass isn't always greener. No, not at all. I mean, it, 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 not necessarily and not, and not at all, but... The, the, the power of the 
I guess the power of it is, and it's very easy for me in a moment like this, you know, I'm sitting with a friend, we've got all this technology, we're able to have this discussion for me to be like... Just got some brand new mics. Yeah, I know, dope. <laughs> dope mics. And it's, um, you're sitting here, you're having this really powerful conversation. It's very easy for you to say, I can tell you right now, as soon as I walk out this door, I'm going to turn on my phone, there's going to be 18 missed calls, and there's going to be 10 messages. And within, I bet, 20 minutes, I'm going to have forgotten all of these powerful messages that we've discussed. So it's about like taking a moment every day mm-hmm. or when you can to remember that you're you know that that you're here for this moment this is the only thing that's all you've ever got is this moment i don't maybe my heart will give out in two minutes time we don't know we don't know how lucky we are or what we have so we have to show appreciation for it and when you're caught up in that grind it's really really hard but it's 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 the alchemist if you haven't read it it's very short but it's beautiful so i that book changed changed my perspective me too You, you mentioned before the a tough time when someone you believe is innocent goes to jail. Yes. Oh, has that happened? It's happened twice. Wow. Um, it's happened twice where I am certain my clients. So let's take it. Uh, uh, let's take a different tack. I don't judge, but I'm also not an idiot. I very rarely will tell. I will very rarely say this person is innocent. Okay. I will generally say, and internally I will believe. You can't prove this person is guilty, right? For me to be confident that someone didn't do something is really hard, much more than a jury. You've got to persuade me with my inbuilt radar. And there was, there was, there's been two cases where that's happened. And let me tell you, they keep you up at night because you go, God, if only we'd zigged instead of zagged, if we'd done this instead of that, why did we do this? Why did that happen? Um, and that's when the system's failed. That's when the system has failed. When, You've seen it. When, when you, yeah, it happened. It's going to happen. It has to happen, right? But the, the way the system's set up is that guilty people should walk free so innocent people don't go to jail. That's, it's far better for a thousand guilty people to get away with it than one innocent person to go to jail. And, um, you know, I, I had a case like that and it was, it was tough. It, I, it actually really shook me to the point where I was like, it, it's so funny how the universe works. I, um, I I was really shaken up. I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm this is not okay. Um, and it was a serious offense. It was a really bad allegation. And as I'm walking down the street, I, uh, we, we lived at the time in Darlington and there was a little community garden. And there was a nice old lady pottering about. And I said, hi, how are you? And she's chatting to me and she goes, oh, you know, what, how was your week? And I go, not really good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer and, you know, I didn't have a good outcome. She goes, that's so funny. Um, I was on a jury once. And she started telling me about a completely different case, but she was telling me about sort of the struggles and challenges of the jury room mm-hmm. and how, you know, there was all of this stuff going on. And it was exactly what I needed to hear at the time. She just told me her story and it just made me realize that, you know what, um, that, that, you know, that, that there's something. And my client did some time. He got out, you know, his life has moved on. What about like, oh God, what's her name? It's horrible. You know, Dingo Stole My Baby, Lindy Chamberlain, that poor woman, the whole world mocked her. The whole world said she killed her child. Probably the worst thing you can ever be accused of. Turns out a dingo actually did steal and eat her baby. You know, her child dies. Her history is destroyed. It's just heartbreaking. And there's there's been other cases like that. People who've been vindicated after spending 20, 30, Catherine, uh, Catherine Folbig, right? This poor woman. Do you get paid out for that? You do if the court finds, so you do if the court overturns the verdict. It opens the door for civil action, generally speaking. Either way, money is no substitute for time. 
I've done a lot of I've done a lot of um, personal injury. I used to do them. I don't do them as much now. But when I started, I do a lot of personal injury cases. I'll paint you a scenario. I had a fa- I had a I represented a father whose son um, was bullied horribly in primary school, horribly, and then he went to high school and he was bullied horribly. Now, when I say horribly, the school didn't protect him. Kids were merciless to him, and teachers bullied him. Like this poor kid copped it hard, both barrels. He eventually, tragically, took his own life, and yeah, it's horrible. He took his own life, and I'm in a room with two insurance companies. So I'm in a room with my client, who's the father of this boy. Two insurance companies, one for the primary school, one for the high school. The primary school saying, "Look, it's really a high school's fault that he got bullied so badly because that's where he ended up taking his life." The high school goes, "No, it was the problems in the primary school." Then they're going, "You can't even prove he was bullied. By, you can't prove this. You can't prove that." Now, ultimately, we fought that. We got him a great. We, we got him a great outcome, and great by that I mean he got he received some money. How much would I have to pay you to bring you know? How much would I have to pay you to give you your child back? There's no amount of money. Yeah. There's no money's no substitute. Of course not. Or, or or quality of life. I've I've had all these cases where people mm. because of you know, I, I'm a I'm a very very defensive driver and I drive and I walk really carefully when I walk, and you know sometimes people go oh look but you had right of way I go okay cool tell that to my client who had right of way and then a guy slammed the car into him and he can't walk anymore. Tell tell that to him. Tell him how much right of way makes sense for him. So yeah. being being right isn't necessarily important. Being safe is. Yes. Or, or yeah, absolutely. What amount of money would I have to give you to give you back your mobility or to give you back your? There is no amount of money, and it's a pathetic substitute. So we 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 try our best to make it right, but you can never make it right. We have this. All, all we can do is give you, I guess, an equivalent, which is sort of money. Um, I don't know how much you. If somebody, if I'd spent years in jail, everyone in the world thought I was a murderer, and not only a murderer, but I'd murdered my own four kids, and everyone, and and I had the title of the most hated woman in the world. I don't think there's an amount you can give me that's going to make that okay. I heard about a case where, yeah, I think a mother had lost three children. Catherine Folbig. I think I heard this on you, yep. and it was like one was. Um, uh, yeah, it was Sids. Yeah. So they all they all had genetic abnormalities. Right, um, they all had these genetic issues, and they all died in fairly young concession, uh, succession. Um, she'd written in her journal some stuff that was, I guess, if you looked at it through a certain light, it might be yes, I killed my kid. But if you look at it through another light, it's I'm mourning the death of my children, and uh, she was found guilty. Not only was she found guilty by a jury, then there was an inquiry held into it. The inquiry found that the guilt was okay, and it was only some, uh, I think, 15, 20 years later that she was vindicated. You have these horrible circumstances that happen, and um, that's that that's life. Life has terrible stuff that happens in it. So, I I I always, you know, I I don't take it personally when something like that happens. But I can understand why a client who didn't do the wrong thing, who is charged and convicted, I can understand why they'd feel pretty hard done by. On the flip side of that, when have you seen the justice system stand up and, and get the right thing done? 99.99% yeah. of the time, 99 point. And you know, this is where we, I've got to give a big shout out to the magistracy, um, the judges, the judicial officers, the registrars, the justice of the Supreme Court of the state. I couldn't do, uh, people always ask, do you want to, would you be a magistrate or a judge? I don't know if I have the, 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 maybe one day I'll develop it. I don't know if I have the, the wherewithal. Sitting in a room and hearing story after story, some of which are true, some of which are complete BS. <laughs> 
right? And you need to have a, a dealing with people on the worst day of their life and rendering judgment on them. Man, oh man, what a hard job, right? Like what a hard, difficult job. And the fact that they get up and do it every day, they do it with no loss of enthusiasm. They keep the society functioning. We are so lucky. You know, we, are, we, we have open courtrooms, you know. You can go and sit in a courtroom and like hear what's being said about you. It's not some done... Some justice systems. I'm so grateful. To oh, look, I'll tell you, there's there's a justice system. I won't name the country, but they should be appalled. Where you can go from being charged to convicted to executed in like four weeks. Oh whoa! Yeah, yeah, crazy, huh? Right, no one's mucking around with bail. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it. Yeah, and, and here I am having an argument about. Oh, look, the police custody sergeant was a little bit rude to me in custody. It's like there's there's systems like that, and so you know. People need to appreciate how lucky we are to have it. A system that's available at no cost to you. Like you, you pay your taxes and it's available. It's just crazy. And awesome. So becoming famous overnight with Netflix. Can, can you tell me that story? How did that happen? All right. So this is a, it, it, it's, it's bananas and very, very strange. Um, what essentially happened was Johnny Depp and Amber Heard had a divorce and it was wild and everyone on the internet went bananas for it. And I uh, was making content about it the whole time. And I think one of the things that uh, I tried to do was be impartial because even though we were seeing some really wackadoodle stuff, I was trying very hard to just give my perspective on it. Um, and I think the big clincher was for me, I was the one, I, I you have to understand with definitely, I really got obsessed. I read, I read the Virginian. Like I saw updates like nearly on the hourly basis on I, TikTok. I knew what was going on because of you. Thank you. You have great taste in TikTokers. <laughs> um, and what would happen is I would watch it and then I would break it down straight away in real time. So I was mm -hmm. up at like 2 a.m. watching it. Um, and I got into it. I went and read the Virginia defamation bench book. Like that's the level of detail I went to. Now I don't practice American law. And that's the state that it was happening in? Yeah, it was happening in okay. Virginia. And a lot of questions were like, really valid questions. Why are two Californian actors who defamed each other in the Washington Post arguing in Virginia, right? It's a good question. The question and the, the answer is because Virginia has, one, laws that make defamation cases more, more likely to succeed. And two, um, it can be filmed. That was the, that was that was the big part of the strategy. Who wanted it to be filmed Johnny out of the Depp. two of them? No question. Oh, okay. Johnny Depp wanted everything in the public eye. Wow. Johnny Depp's career, if you remember before this defamation case, he was considered a wife basher. He'd lost in the UK. His career was basically dead. This was his last shot at getting it was a public relations strategy like rolled up as a lawsuit. And when you saw it through that lens, you started to kind of see the bits and pieces. And it's hard to win a defamation lawsuit in the US because of the freedom of speech and how powerful that is. But I, I think I was one of the first who called for Johnny Depp. Like once the evidence was done, I was like, Johnny's going to win. I'm, I'm confident. Once I saw Ben Chu um, give his final. And uh, watching him, it looked like he was somewhat performing. Yeah, they both were. They both were, right? He was just a more convincing actor, right? Mm. Now, what actually happened, no one knows. But in the defamation case, I think it was very clear that he came out um, and, and sort of thing. And it kind of was this cultural moment that I talked a lot about. And I was approached by a production company to buy the rights to the, um, to the, to the, to the, to the those pieces of content. And I, I, I was 
I was firstly I was a bit flattered that they thought I was worthy of being in a documentary, and so I, I, I you know, I did that. I and this was just a, a company in the United Kingdom. Yep. Um, who was making a documentary? They said, "Hey, you, we, we we want some pieces of TikTok footage. Would you be interested in licensing it to us?" I said, "Sure." So I gave them the content. You know, we did. I got some money for it. You read the contract yourself? I I did. Yep. Not actually. I gave it to someone better than me. Than okay. me. I never read my own contracts because um, you miss something. Um, and that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, so I gave it to my colleague who was like, "Yep, yeah, this is this, this, and this." So anyway, sold the rights. Forgot about it. I knew they'd be in some documentary in the United Kingdom at some stage. Didn't think about it. Woke up one day and on uh, uh, my uh, my TikTok and my Instagram and my phone's blown up. Jahan, you're on Netflix. Oh my God, I'm seeing you on Netflix. Did you know you're in this documentary? How cool is this? I'm like, what What doc? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, this is, and I was like, it was like 10 a.m. I was at work or something and I'm getting all these texts. I'm like, what? am I in a documentary? Have I, am I living in a parallel reality? So anyway, it, it didn't click at all that it was related to the not UK. Not at all. Okay. I was completely oblivious. So I uh, turn on Netflix and number one trending uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And Jahan, uh, number one on Netflix. <laughs> Jahan, a small role in a number one documentary on Netflix. And it's funny because of all these little things that happened, you know, there was the, the writers and actors strike. I think Netflix bought the content, put it up. It was clearly a lot of people were really interested in it. And it was a huge deal. Like it was huge. It went overnight viral. People were watching it. I think it was the number one documentary in the world for a little while. Wow. And, uh, it kind of blew up. Like, uh, you know, people from radio stations are calling me. TV shows are going, hey, come on, let's talk about this. You know, how did you end up? Because it's, it's, it, it is bizarre that a lawyer from Sydney is on a documentary about two actors from Hollywood. Like, like it doesn't make any sense. Overnight. Overnight, somewhat out of the blue. Absolutely. Then you're going on TV. I'm on TV. I'm chatting about it. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and it really, I, I never understood that fa- uh, that saying. You're an overnight success ten years in the making yeah. until then, <laughs> right? Because you, you, you make all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden, boom! Everyone knows. You know, people still come up to you. Hey, I saw you on Netflix. Like, I thought it was this. And it's so weird. It's so so weird. But it was, it was one. It was a vindication because I think I've said this to you. All of this social media stuff, really, it's monopoly money. Mm. It's all monopoly money. Likes, followers, it doesn't mean anything until it does. And so for me, I I don't understand people who put other like, social media people down or put down people who are having a go at this because eventually, like Bitcoin, it hits critical mass. People take it seriously and it becomes a thing. That's why a lot of people doing socials went from kind of being a meme to, oh, like, we, we listen to that voice. Yeah. Well, I mean, if somebody had come to me 10 years ago and said, hey, could an Olympian have a social media presence? Would that be a thing? I'd say probably not, right? But you did it. It's a new opportunity. And that's the thing about, like, the future. There's all these opportunities that don't exist yet. Oh, it, it's it's incredible because especially diving that's not necessarily a huge sport like soccer, tennis or yeah. cricket, to be able to build that up on the side leveraging two, it's fascinating. two passions of media. It, like that couldn't have happened 20 years ago. No, and it's fascinating. And, and the technology that you need to produce the content you produce, the cost has gone down so astronomically. Yep. You know, you would have needed hundreds of thousands of dollars. Even just, you can get... I've personally gotten over a billion views just from shooting on my iPhone. Yeah. 
Me too. I've gotten like so many views. On the iPhone. You need camera gear for you that. You need camera gear. You right. need microphones. You need... You could just shoot... I, I've got a video of me making a smug comment in my car that has <laughs> what, like, millions of views and thousands of likes. It's it's such a ridiculous situation. And so you, you, you find yourself in these um, interesting moments, right, where all of these opportunities come. And that's kind of what Netflix was. It was this, it was this moment of like... All of this monopoly fame is maybe a real thing. Like maybe there is like a, okay, Jahan's now sort of a trusted voice in this area. And with with the pleasure that comes with that, because it is immensely it is immensely um, cool, um, there's also a responsibility yeah. that you use your voice responsibly, right? You know, one of the things that I've always really disliked is those prank YouTubers who do awful things. <laughs> like they just... Like, it's a social experiment. Yeah, it's a social experiment. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I poured paint on and damaged your car. It's a social experiment. Uh, one of the cases, what was his name? Tanner, Tanner Cook, I think, in the US. He kept going up to this guy. The guy's like, leave me alone, leave me alone. And he got oh. shot. Well, you know what? You go up to a guy in the US. He, he tells you to leave him alone three times. You're going to get shot. Um, And so I really do... I, I love it when there's content that isn't like that and people who are using social media for a good reason. I didn't know how cool diving was till I watched your stuff. It's hypnotic, man. It's hypnotic. Watching you jump off a rock, you're like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and, 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 you know, understanding the what goes on in a... I didn't know in the Olympic Village you have a little token that gives you free Coke. Oh, it's... And that's why I wanted to share because yeah. I, I had so many questions. It's sick. And same with you. Even just how a courtroom works or like... It's this world I don't out. have exposure to. Yeah. You know, I didn't. You know, the beds are made of these cool boxes, and this is how the Japanese are doing this. Yeah. It's it was like a little sliver of a world I never see, and that's the cool thing. And when someone is doing it genuinely and happily, and they're explaining it from a place of joy and love and kindness, it comes through. That being said, there's plenty of people who go on the internet for the exact opposite. They want suffering. They want to, you know, mm. indulge in those bad. Um, places and those emotions that's fine there's going to be content for them you'd just rather be in that positive realm though even for your own well-being Absolutely. like why not focus on the positive i don't know how you i mean i don't know i there's there's a oh, his name escapes me there's this fellow who just he was his his channel really took a turn where he used to be quite a positive happy guy who would you know do all these simple things. And then he started making this really awful content where he would just basically, I think it was mukbang videos of some kind where he'd eat to excess and he would just carry on and be very dramatic and be very caustic. It just doesn't, it's not who I am. That being said, one of the things I, I, I'm being judgmental now, we shouldn't judge people by the other, the choices they make. They have every right to make the choices they make. But if somebody's on the cusp watching this, because you'll never convince those people, is it better to live a life where you are of certain, I've found that helping people get what they want and helping people's dreams come true. Service. Yeah, being of service. My dreams have come true along the way and good things have happened to me. So I'm sure there's different strategies. There's a million ways to skin a cat. But for me, it's been being of service, being trying to be positive, trying to be good. I don't always succeed. There are days where I'm like, ugh, I wish... I wish, you know, I'd done something differently or there's interactions I leave and I just go, ugh, I wish I'd done it differently. But it tends to be a better strategy. Yeah, and being transparent and honest about the journey is important. Yeah. And that's what keeps people engaged and being truthful. But I feel like trying to lean on the positive side 
is the way to go because even leaning on the negative side, you can get more views. Sometimes that actually performs a lot better. So people might think it's tempting, but I've always found you're better off just continuing to do what you believe is probably the right thing to be doing. I fully agree with you. I mean, the 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 power is 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 huge, right? Like I um, I I sometimes it's important to share that vulnerability. So like one of the things that I'm big on is um, the importance of being vulnerable with people. I have anxiety. Anxiety is not a nice feeling. I live with it. Um, I also sometimes get bouts of, you know, not, not serious depression, but depression. And it's hard for me. It's hard to get out of bed. And when I was first, you know, deciding whether I tell the world this, there was a lot of feelings wrapped up in that. Like, well, people go, well, I don't want a lawyer with depression because what if he gets depressed on the day of my big case? Like, what is that going to look like? Or I don't want a lawyer who gets nervous. I want someone fearless. But I think that explaining to people that even successful people or people who look successful on the outside have these things and that it's okay. You can live with it. You can mention it and you can manage it is so important. And yeah, there are days where it's going to be really hard for me to do my job. And there's going to be days where it's not going to be hard for me to do my job. And you know, the way my brain is wired, I wake up one day, it's like a slot machine. Some days it's going to be good and some days it's going to be bad, but I, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I you know what's much more dangerous? The person who lies to you and says everything's fine, yeah. And uh, you know they they cope with really unhealthy strategies and then they mess up your life. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you cut blind. I'll go to I'll I'll tell you hey I'm sorry I can't do this today and I'll move my appointments and I'll make it work. I've I want my life to work around that. And for a lot of people, they think that being vulnerable is a sign of weakness and it's absolutely not it's the bravest thing you can do is say hey i'm struggling or hey this really hurt my feelings for someone who is struggling at the moment what would, what would you tell them because it happens to everyone yeah like it oh, do, yeah. mental health does not discriminate no not at all um uh, for somebody struggling look it depends one you matter you matter more than you know two Feelings can be mentioned and managed. There are treatments for everything. You may have tried 20, 30, 40. They may not have worked. You may have gone and seen 10 doctors. You may not have access to doctors. You may not have access to mentors. It may seem pretty hopeless. If you weren't here or if you weren't being the version of yourself you know you could be, you, you're you not just hurting yourself, you're hurting everyone around you and no one. the world is never better without your presence. Um you matter a great deal. The best thing you can do is tell someone. Um, if it's a friend, if it's a you know, if it's a professional, professionals are great. I see a psychiatrist. I see a psychologist. Um, I don't think there should be any stigma around. Elite it. athletes see psychologists all the time. Of course, you know it's it's, and your situation can get better. It does get better. It will get better. You know, I think we're re- one of the things that's always um, stuck out in my mind is teenagers people think they're so dramatic right you know a 15 year old who has a heartbreak they go oh you're being so super dramatic well the reality is if you're 15 and you get your heart broken for the first time that is probably the most intense pain you've ever had they're not being dramatic they're being authentic and i think we we forget that especially you know as as you kind of reach my age you start to get a bit more you forget all of these little you know you forget a lot of the little the little bits and pieces just having a puppy now for a couple of weeks watching her struggle to do basic things like super duper basic thing you know if the she, you move the ball here and she forgets that the ball exists she gets she doesn't have object permanence yet and you just watch it and you go wow i was like that once and it kind of reminds you of 
all of the the complexities of life and all of the complexities that are out there. So I I'm deeply sympathetic, deeply sympathetic to people going through a hard time, but it can get better. The hardest thing is accepting that it can get better. Yeah, th- things can things can get better. They e- will get e- better, even if you don't believe they can. No, absolutely, can. absolutely, absolutely, and like you know. It can take the form of medication. It can take the form of therapy. It can take the form of exercise. It can take the form of, you know, um, it can take the form of self-care, how you see self-care. Um, it, it can get better. Now, I've watched your TEDx talk, which was incredible, by You're the way. You're a gentleman. Thank on the perfect, you. On the perfect apology. <laughs> Why? Because Because and. Yes. Now, the audience loved you there. You put on a good show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. How important is that with your job? Very. Um, is that the most important thing, the apology? Uh, I think it's... If it's not the most impo- important thing, it would be in the top. I think... I think... Let, let's... If I could address your question a different way. In a good... Let's say... And 80% of cases result in some plea of guilty. So you've done the wrong thing. The court 80%. Wants, 80% or so. So let's say you're charged with... XYZ, you might negotiate it down to just X or A or something different to that. But 80% of cases is, yes, I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry I did the wrong thing. Let me tell you why I'm doing things differently. In order to have that compelling case theory, for me, a big de- big thing is if I'm going to be apologizing on behalf of a client, I need to be able to tell their story in one sentence. So their story might be, you know, I'm Sam. I'm an I'm a I'm an Olympian. I injured myself, and because of that, I decided to lean on drugs and alcohol, which is why I found myself in this horrible situation. And I've now reconnected with the things that make me positive, and I'm doing that instead. I need to be able to summarize it in one sentence. That's a really important thing for me to be able to, at least at the end of my second or third consultation with a client, to be able to tell their story in one line. To do that, we need a why, we need a because, and we need an end. So the end is often therapy um you know let's say that let's say that you were speeding really really fast 50 kilometers over the speed limit well the court's going to be like you speed demon you're gonna you've endangered people on the road why why are you not going to do this again and we need an end and the end might be well look i've done the traffic offenders program i went and volunteered at a hospital trauma ward where i saw what happens if you speed too fast and you know i'm i'm, I'm not going to do it again the why look I was going 50 kilometers over the speed limit. I know I shouldn't have. I was, you know, um, uh, my mom was sick in hospital. I was trying to get there in time. I was trying to see her, you know, and I know that when I speed, I put people in danger and that could be, you know, judge, it could be your kids. I'm sorry. So that why, because, and that formula enables me to understand the pieces of the puzzle because what courts want is at least some evidence that you're doing things differently, right? That you've, you know, so if you show up to court with an apology letter with some references and the references say, you know, I know Sam, Sam's a good guy. He ended up in this situation. I I noticed that he was doing this and this. He hadn't confided in me. He's now confided in me. They get a picture that, hey, you're taking it seriously and you're not going to do it differently. And sorry, and you are going to go do it differently. So for me, that formula is a very, very complex simplification of a much larger theme. Hmm. But it is what a lot of what I do. A lot of what I do is, yes, my client did it, but let me explain why. And the other 20%? The other 20% is uh, you, you're going to fight the cases in court. You're going to... You have... So So that actually doesn't happen that often? No, no not all the... So look, if I could put it this way, For every offense, there usually is a defense, but the defense has to be one that is suitable. So 
there, the job of a criminal defense lawyer is simple, not easy, but simple. The first question we must ask ourselves is, are we pleading guilty, not guilty, or taking a completely different road? And in that, if we plead not guilty, is it because one, they can't prove that you did it, two, because you didn't do it, or three, you have a defense available to you. So what is a defense? Self-defense is a defense. Alibi is a defense. Um, automatism, which is, I don't, you know, um, I had an instantaneous gut reaction, something happened. Those are defenses. So we look at the offense that you've been charged with. Let's take larceny. Larceny is a great example. What is that? Larceny is when you take something, you move it, it belongs to someone else and you have no right to it. Okay. Stealing, right? <laughs> So me, me nicking this, all right? So I take it and I have no... Johan's taking my new mics. Yeah, I know. Well, the mine. The <laughs> now, there is what's called elements and each, of, each crime has a number of elements. So for larceny, you have to take something. It has to belong to someone. It has to... You have to have no intention of returning it and you have to have no right to it. So if I come and take this, right? And put it in my car and you go, what are you doing? I go, hey, Sam, you owe me $185 I'm taking this in lieu of payment. Maybe there's a defense there. Maybe I don't actually take your mic. Maybe I go, hey, actually, I was going to borrow it. I sent you a text and you said, okay. So if any of those elements aren't there, the defense wins. Now, if all of the elements are there and they can prove all the elements, then it's uh, a defense comes into it, which is, you know, um, look, I, I, I didn't know it belonged to someone, you know, which happened. I had a case once where, uh, the, the the client was found with a, some property turns out the property was abandoned you can't steal something that's abandoned ah. yeah so there's there's a lot of those sorts of things and looking into it but a, a majority of the time if you've done the wrong thing you get caught out you have to apologize for it and then what's next for Jahan where where do you see yourself going well I'm I'm I'm, I'm very excited to announce that I'm going to do some podcasting which I'm really pumped about oh yeah and you have agreed on camera to be one of my guests. So I'm very lucky. I'll certainly be on. I'm very excited to have this handsome devil on my um, podcast. It'd be my uh, pleasure. Um, so we're going to be doing that. Um, I'm I'm toying with the idea of writing a book, which I'm going to be kind of, um, I think is going to be pretty cool. Do we know what it'd be about yet? Yeah, I think okay. it's going to be, it's going to be about uh, like a memoirs, but also lessons learned from criminal defense mm. law, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So that's, that's hopefully on the cards making a lot more video content this year and also kind of growing and, and building my team um, and doing more more cases, helping more people. I think that for me, I love helping people one-to-one. It's the greatest joy there is. But I think now is the time to see if we can use some of the technology to help a lot more people a lot more rapidly. Because for me, I see a lot of people who... Yeah, I, I would love to set up a service or come up with an idea or initiative where... You know, I get so many inquiries that would take two minutes to solve and mm. you just totally change someone's life by yeah. helping them. And it, the volume is just so much that we can't do as much as we would. So maybe a community community legal center or something. I don't know, but I'm excited. 2024 is going to be a great year. Yeah, I found when you have a lot of things going on, like it's much easier to move forward. When I've got like my diving, my socials, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my straws. I, I think, like that. that. That makes me feel really excited about what you're doing. I think so. And I think that the reality is, you know, you want to get... you. This is a weakness of mine and I've got to get better at it. One and done projects. So I'll like start seven projects <laughs> yeah. and finish none of them. Better to start one, get it done, move to two, move to three, move to four. What about you? What's next in your line? Well, this this podcast is a brand new one. We just got these, these microphones. We, we were using old ones. I hope you guys can maybe notice a better quality. We, 
I thought they were the best. I just had no idea. Yeah. They weren't the best. You're making it up as you go <laughs> along, man. That's what we're literally about. just figuring it out. So we're, we're chipping away at this, going to try and make the Olympics this year. And my big dream is to win a medal. You, my friend, deserve that. And, 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 and if you don't win a medal, let me tell you, you've won a medal in the hearts and minds of people for being an awesome human being. And you're going to wear a medal on your chest as well. I'm, 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 oh, man. I think you're an exceptional human being. It's been a pleasure being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. See you, mate. I appreciate you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.